Hello, it's Ed Gallo, the return after a decent chunk of time there with me not doing anything with my voice because I had a cough and I don't think I had COVID, so don't say that I did, but maybe I did, but I did get a test and it was negative. Apparently there's a such thing as false negatives, but I'm fine now. I might cough a couple times, but I'm fine. So I'll be back and then my podcast will be back as well. This is my my comeback. And I'm here with Mr. Jack Hurley, part of our our wrestling staff. If you haven't seen any of Jack's written content or his podcast appearances or anything like that yet, you should definitely check him out because he definitely does more research than I do, and his content's very in depth and, and more detailed. And he's got a great way of writing about wrestling. So if you're here because you care about wrestling, you need to hit up Jack and, and read his stuff. Cool. But we are here today to preview a wrestling event there's more last time we talked about the flow wrestling event which was a disaster by a lot of metrics but there were there was wrestling and it was pretty good pretty good action so i'm excited to see it back a little twist this time last time it was yeah just a freestyle exhibition uh, no greco normal mat normal everything pretty much although there wasn't a lot of space on the out, outer boundary so that kind of mess things up but otherwise it was super normal uh besides the weird weight class differences this time it's part of uh chael sonnen's submission underground organization i don't know if anyone's ever seen that but he holds grappling matches with like uh eddie bravo's evi rules in a cage so it's cage grappling which is okay why not um and it's a mixture of like good regional level guys and like big names and like MMA guys, and it's it's a it's a decent product. Some of the matches are not good, um, but it, it's just it's a little gimmicky. But th- there's definitely some solid action that goes on there. Uh, the overtime rules are a little weird, but people like the EBI rules because they it forces action in, in some metric. So he's doing the same thing, but with wrestling. So this is uh, Chael Sonnen's Wrestling Underground one. And uh, it's a pretty solid card. There's there's a lot of good names on it. I'm pretty impressed. Uh, Jack's, I think, fairly impressed based on what the card is. Um, there's senior world medalists. There's uh, junior world champions. There's, there's there's a lot of talent on the card, honestly. And the guys that are opposite of the of the talent, they're pretty solid too. Um, so not a lot of like washed up, weird names. It's 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 pretty good all around. Um, so Jack, first impressions. Wrestling in a cage. How do you feel about that? Well, at first, I kind of hated it and thought it was just like a dumb gimmick. Uh, but I'm actually fine with it now. They, they've done a good job, I think, with the rules in terms of what you can and can't do uh, on the cage. And it's, it's not a super serious thing. Um, and it's, it's, it's cool that they've mixed the weights a little bit and given us matchups you wouldn't ordinarily get. And I think it's a pretty good a uh, good set of competitors and so there's some good matchups to talk about mm-hmm. yeah with with the to clarify for people the cage wrestling we're not gonna like read off the rules or anything but you can find them and they'll be explained in the show but essentially they're treating the cage like the out of bounds line in a freestyle match so it's gonna be a freestyle mostly card and there's one greco match and uh yeah they're just gonna call it like like it's out of bounds so in freestyle, I don't know about in Greco, I assume so. There's a rule with the continuation. So if I shoot a double on you and I'm driving and we go out of bounds and then I finish it out of bounds, usually they'll call the points for whatever happens when we're out of bounds. Similar thing here where I think if I start the attack near the center and I get you to the cage and I continue to advance and I finish it fairly quickly, you'll get the points for that. Um, <clears throat> If you're continuously pushing people back into the cage and using it to like hold or uh, maintain a position, I, I believe that's going to be a caution and you're going to be warned for that. And uh, pretty strict caution rules here. Uh, caution two will be awarded pretty liberally and I believe three cautions and you're disqualified. So high stakes here about not using the cage, which is interesting because they they put them in it. Uh, but I think it's just a way to encourage them to keep action in the center and with the group of guys on this card, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Because there's a lot of, uh, one, there's a lot of weight disparities where people are coming down, meeting in the middle, someone later, which is good, but it could be an issue. 
for this format because the rules are really heavily punishing someone being backed up in the cage. If you get backed up in the cage a bunch of times, it's considered retreating or fleeing, and that could be an issue. Uh, it might actually help in the Greco matches a little bit. Um, but yeah, there's that, and also just uh, the styles. There's, there's a few guys I like to, uh, to push forward, and we'll see how that plays out. Uh, but yeah, we're going to talk about the, the matches from the bottom of the tar- card to the top of the card. Uh, the main event, I'll just spoil that right now, is a two-time NCAA champion, two-time world medalist, Nick Lizdowski, heavyweight, uh, went to NC State, <clears throat> has represented uh, the USA at Worlds three times so far, and he's been a solid guy, and he's uh, fending off the next generation of, of heavyweight challengers in the, in the country, beat Gable Stevenson, and he, he beat him two, two matches to, to none, or did Gable mm-hmm. take one? Clean sweep, yeah, two well. Clean sweep, yeah, so... He's still holding on, still holding that spot, and hopefully he can get back close to medical contention because heavyweight is super top-heavy all the time, but <laughs> especially right now in the world. So uh, just depending on bracketing, he can definitely get back in the medal contention. And he is wrestling Kyvin Gadsden, who's a one-time NCAA champion, three-time All-American from Iowa State. You might know him for pinning Kyle Snyder in the NCAA finals. I wrote about that. And uh, Gadsden's a 197 guy in college and a – 97 kilogram guy uh, internationally. Sometimes 92. Has he gone 92? Gadsden, no. Yeah. I, I remember he's, him wrestling Casper. That was probably big. 97. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's, he's actually pretty big for 97. I think he'll right. be. So I assume this is contested players. at heavyweight. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, two NCAA champions. Uh, Gadsden doesn't really have freestyle experience at seniors outside of the country a lot right now, but he's been vying for the spot. At 97, wrestled Snyder a few times. He's basically the number two or three guy uh, in the country at that weight. So he could definitely you know, make noise at tournaments if he was going to them more, but it's just limited funding, so they're only sending certain people. Uh, but, yeah, so that's the main event. There's also uh, on the card Mark Hall, you know, two-time junior world champion, I want to say, and uh, mm-hmm. one-time NCAA champion, as well as you know, someone like Joey McKenna, who's, who's also a world medalist. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, uh, cool stuff. And if you're an MMA fan, Duran Wynn is on the card. And Duran Wynn was actually a very competitive freestyle wrestler in the U.S. up until 2018. So his, he's still relatively recent uh, in terms of relevance in the wrestling world. But getting ahead of ourselves, let's start at the bottom of the card. I just referenced Joey McKenna. Um, Jack, let's take the lead. Joey McKenna and Tyler Berger, tell, tell the people who they are. Yeah, so Joey McKenna uh, is one of the top guys at 65 kilograms. He was, uh, as you said, uh, a junior world silver medalist mm-hmm. back in like 2014 or something. Yep. Uh, very, very close to being a national champion college. Had a uh, sort of controversial match with Yanni. Uh, beat Yanni at the uh, senior nationals tournament. Uh back in December. Uh, and he's, he, he's a good leg attacker. He's good in freestyle with his top game. Um, and he's a decent scrambler as well. Uh, he, he likes to shoot from the outside. Uh, doesn't, doesn't push in all that much. He kind of looks for his openings to shoot in with his, uh, his kind of straight single or sweep single to the lead leg. Cause you, He's a, he's a left leg lead, so most people that are right leg lead, it's, it's right there for him to jump in on the leg, uh, which makes it interesting because Tyler Berger, his opponent, who was, a, I think, a three-time All-American for Nebraska, mm-hmm. uh, and he's, he's kind of working his way into freestyle now. He, I think, has not yet qualified for the Olympic trials, but he's had some, some decent results so far up at 70 and 74. He likes a straight single, uh, but he's a right leg lead. And so they're both going to be looking to drop down to the leg that's right in front of them. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was looking it up, and McKenna also has a U23 bronze medal uh, in 2017. So that's cool, too. But, yeah, with this matchup, just without even knowing the specifics of, like, what ties they like, what attacks they like, uh, I, just, I feel like there's an obvious – athletic advantage for McKenna I think he's like the higher caliber of athlete which is going to help him out considering they like similar things uh so when they're considering the same kind of approach I feel like the guy who does his thing better and harder 
<laughs> has a bit of an advantage there. And uh, most of my memories of McKenna scoring is uh, he, he catches people flat with, you know, he sets them up with his level changing on the outside and with his hands. And usually he just finds that moment where the guy is standing kind of flat footed and blows him over, gets a really deep entry. That, that's always what springs to mind. And obviously he's super solid and competent in almost every position and, you know, good finisher, all that, very physical. Whereas Berger, I feel like, yeah, he has a lot, a lot to bring to the table as well. But his athleticism is a little less dynamic. Uh, his finishes are a little more labor-intensive. And all things being equal, I feel like I favor McKenna pretty heavily here, which makes sense. He's a much more credentialed guy. But I'm trying to think of a way that the cage situation changes things at all, and I don't really see it other than if the, the rules are weird and the ref really isn't enforcing things too well. I could see Berger making it kind of ugly and like forcing a lot of restarts, not letting McKenna like build up momentum and set him up. Uh, maybe that could play to his advantage to keep it lower scoring, but it, it seemed like a, a pretty clear McKenna lean to me. Is that how you feel? Yeah, I don't know. I, I would say McKenna's probably better, but he's also smaller. Hmm. Um, you know, I don't know how – I think the weight limit for this match is like 159. Um Burger I totally re- forgot that Berger wrestled 157 and McKenna wrestled 141. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, so they're so they're they're going to be Berger's going to be going up to 74 for uh for uh the Olympic year. McKenna's going to be a 65. I don't think it's that big of a weight difference. McKenna's cutting a pretty good amount of weight, but. I think there is going to be a, a meaningful size advantage and a meaningful height and length advantage. And McKenna has <clears throat> sometimes struggled a bit with finishing on really tall people mm-hmm. um, where it, it feels like a match that there's, they're both going to get to the legs at least a couple times and it's going to come down to who finishes uh, at a higher rate. And I don't know who that's going to be. Look, this is actually, for me, one of the harder ones to call. Yeah, I had thought about that. Somehow it slipped my mind that there is, like, a massive size discrepancy. Uh, That makes it very interesting. You're right. Uh, And then the cage does become more important because if Berger is moving him around more easily. Yeah, uh, Berger doesn't push that much. But, like, if they get into a position where they're near the cage, like, boom, I'm bigger than you. Get up against the wall. Mm -hmm. Let's hope that they – they call they call the passivity reverse so that if Berger's pushing him against the, the, the mm-hmm. cage a lot, that they just call that against Berger. I'm openly rooting for McKenna because he's a pan RTC, and I met him once and he was cool. So take that. <laughs> no, that's cool. All right, yeah, I'm I'm now I'm hyped for that one. I was hyped to watch Joey McKenna anyway, just because he's one of the top four or five guys at 65 right now in the U.S., which is one of the best weights. Uh, so you know, always fun to watch him compete okay let's move on let's uh are we gonna make picks officially mm, i'm gonna i'm gonna double down on my mckenna pick just because i was so confident right. <laughs> How about you? I, I, I guess i'll pick burger nice uh, it's, it's really tight but I'll, I'll, I'll pick burger this might be the first time we've uh we've not agreed on yeah one of these preview things in, in two previews we were unanimous on the other one though so it's like it matters to distinction. All right, let's talk about Greco. You can take the yeah. <laughs> As we uh, established on that terrible history lesson podcast we did a few months ago, uh, Greco is not the classic style. Timmy Hand, stop calling it that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is a, a pretty interesting match. It's Ben Provisor who was. 2016 uh, Olympic team member for the U.S. At, uh, the weight back then was 85 kilograms. They've changed it to 87. And uh, Rayvon Perkins, who was the Olympic team member at 66, and now Perkins has moved up and Provisor has moved down, uh, and they're both wrestling at – both going to be at 77 uh, for the Olympic trials. And so it, uh, it'll be interesting because they don't really have any – common opponents or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, Perkins is a pretty entertaining wrestler where he 
He likes to get inside and get to the body. He likes to get double unders uh, and actually throw people. Um, and he's got a good body lock, good high dive, good arm drag game where he wants to get to a lock and throw people. And he's got a really good gut wrench on top. He has really long arms. And so he locks his hands like really deep. Like, uh, like most people get like their hands together. Uh, like now at heavyweight, you maybe just have a fingertip grip because their, their midsection is so hard to reach around. And then most people will get palm to palm and some people get, they like grip their own forearms. And Perkins always gets like a really, really deep grip in on his own forearms and gets it really tight and rolls people. And Improviser is like the opposite, where he's the, the boringest wrestler there is. He basically just pummels and holds position and tries to get a dominant position, not to actually do anything with it, but just for the sake of getting a dominant position. And then he can just hold or he can push them back. And, uh, you know, friend of the show, uh, Richard Mann, wrote into T.R. Foley's column a couple weeks ago about, you know, what rule changes can they make in Greco to make it more exciting? Uh-huh. Uh, and, and Foley just said, like, well, they need better refs who, like, know who's stalling. And I thought that was a stupid answer. But, <laughs> wa- all right, but, but watching Ben Provisor, I see what he's saying because it seems like if you knew – like who he is and what he's trying to do. Like, all right, you, you haven't moved out of the center circle and you've, you know, engaged in the ties, but you haven't actually tried to score a single point, you know? And so why does the other guy need to be put down in parterre? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he, he's also annoying because he doesn't have, like he doesn't even have a good top game. Like, so Joe Rao uh, has been very push heavy. Right. Uh, recently, but he's good on top, so it makes sense for him to try and get the other guy put down. Provisor kind of just wants to win every match two to one. <laughs> like okay, at uh, at the World Championships a few years ago, he lost his match like four to two or something. And in the interview, after someone asked him, like, "Yeah, you know, like that was a tough match. You know, what was the other guy doing? It seemed like he couldn't really get to your offense." And he said, well, that's just how I wrestle. I don't really have any offense. At least he's self-aware. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how this one goes. I think the cage will play a big part. Um, when provi- I think Provisor will several times get him into the cage. Mm-hmm. And the question is, can he do anything with it? Because he, he pushes people out of bounds and just takes his point in normal Greco. Uh, when he gets them against the fence, if he's got double unders or something, is he actually going to score? And then the other thing is, do the officials view it as Perkins needs to keep himself off the cage, that's passivity, or backing up? Or do they say, provisor, you can't just push them, you have to actually try and throw them? Mm-hmm. I am going to say that because it's a wrestling ref and they don't really get the cage as much, maybe I'm assuming, uh, that they're just going to err on the side of guy who is backing into the cage is the one stalling, is the one fleeing, is the one who's negatively wrestling. And I could see a provisor uh, disqualification win because three cautions isn't that many. <laughs> so if he gets them to the cage three times and they, they call it, every time that could be it um just with the size advantage and that he's so pushy and that perkins is gonna like actually try to throw him which will probably just give provisor better positions to push from uh unless i'm underestimating perkins but i don't i'm no greco expert so i don't know enough about um specific strengths and weaknesses but yeah it it seems like a a good situation for provisor and it's probably not going to be fun yeah, I kind of feel the same way. It Perkins definitely has a shot here where he, if he gets on top, might actually be able to get some turns. Uh, but uh, it, it just seems like he's going to spend too much of the time with his back against the fence. He's not going to be able to score. The, the officials are going to caution him. Even if he does get on top, I think the whole, like, 
no mat wrestling within a foot of the cage thing mm -hmm. probably hurts him because there's less chance to get multiple turns in a row. Uh, and, you know, normally you want to, if you lift somebody in the air, you walk towards the edge uh, and then throw them right. kind of like out of bounds. If you don't have space to do that uh, and, and you're just stuck in the middle, it could be a little different. So I, I think it's, it's most likely provisor. Sounds good to me. I don't want to debate that one too hard because it's probably not going to live up to any degree of discussion. Uh, okay, so we're going to move on to Sammy Brooks versus Shakur Rashid. Uh, Sammy Brooks, Iowa Hawkeye, multiple-time All-American. Is that correct? I think so, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> really solid guy in the lineup. Uh, he's He's been wrestling freestyle. He's been wrestling freestyle for a long time. He was a cadet. Uh, world bronze medalist back in 2011 he made the junior team uh, and did not make the medal match represented us at u23s in 2017 and he's been making trips to to a few international tournaments uh within the past few years he actually took silver at the zielkowski in 2018 which is a big ranking series tournament for uh for uww he lost to baranowski in the finals there wasn't anyone super tough in the field but i mean he placed higher than downey and Stefan Reichmuth, who is a world medalist now, and Kenny Quartz was there. That's interesting. Abinader was there. There were a lot of Americans at this tournament, but <clears throat> it's a good result. Uh, and he also won the uh, Henri, I don't know how to say this, Deglin, the, the French one. <laughs> he won the French one that, uh, that a bunch of guys won last year. And uh, again, no, no one's super impressive in the field, but uh, definitely some veterans. And uh, Meister Radzi is, is pretty solid. He beat him. So Brooks is semi-relevant in the freestyle world at 86 kilograms right now. He wrestled 184 in college, I want to say. And he is wrestling uh, Shakur Rashid, who's kind of like a enigmatic <laughs> type of wrestler uh, from Penn State, if you want to want to start off with, with Rashid. Yeah, he uh, – yeah, enigmatic is a really good way to put it. He started out at 165 at Penn State. Uh, and w was cutting a lot of weight, had kind of mixed results, and then went up to uh, 197 and w was really good, but then had kind of a letdown at the national championships and got seventh. Uh, then the next year, uh, he went down to 184, but kind of had some injuries uh, and I think ended up not placing. And then this past year went back up to 97 and, struggled a bit but he's he's definitely shown some skills uh and it's it's hard to know how much of it is weak competition how much of it is mm. uh he reached a level that he never will again just because of his health right uh but i'm, I'm sort of surprised that he's wrestling here uh, but I, I guess it's good to see just another guy getting into the freestyle system. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and hopefully he can get back to the level people thought he'd be at two or three years ago. Yeah, it was kind of like a thing that everyone thought. Was like, oh, my God, once he gets his weight situation figured out, like he's going to be a monster, he's going to be so good. And sometimes that looked true and sometimes it didn't look true. And I'm sure it has a lot to do with his health. But uh, as you get into your, your technical breakdown, which I really enjoyed, um, I think it'll kind of start to reveal – some of the inconsistencies um i think everyone knows him for his cradle but mm -hmm. it's not like he had a concrete system of getting people into situations where he could cradle them is that fair to say yeah i mean he, i think he was pretty good at setting it up uh on top in college mm -hmm. where with, with kind of predicting what they were going to do and sort of getting uh mm -hmm. getting like the cross face grip and sort of funneling them into it Mm -hmm. but from uh you know from neutral or just from freestyle positions i'm not sure if it's really going to be a reliable weapon for him right there's not going to be really like a lot of mat wrestling so you take somebody whose best weapon is with their top <laughs> with their top game uh and you put them against somebody who's pretty good at controlling the offense and uh you know limiting exchanges and kind of controlling the tempo uh if from neutral, that's not the best matchup, especially with the rules the way they are. It, it's kind of similar to 
how parterre is supposed to be called in uh, international, like on a, on a normal mat where if a part of the body goes out of bounds before the, the turn is completed, it's technically uh, should be blown dead and, and shouldn't be called. Now, if like during the turn, if you didn't complete the turn or if you're starting to do the turn and they touch the cage at all, they're going to they're gonna blow that dead and it's not going to count. So the, I've seen the cage. It's not small, but it's the smaller version like when they do like the UFC fight nights and the uh, mm-hmm. in the casinos and, and what have you, the apex, it's that it's like 25 feet. I believe it's closer to that size. So when you're just grappling, that space isn't super difficult to, to take up. Uh, mm-hmm. But like with striking, you, you move around a lot more obviously, but I don't know. I could just see uh, some exchanges getting into that zone a lot. And I mean, in a normal wrestling match, a lot of parterre does happen on, on the edge. Uh, just because a lot of takedowns happen on the edge because people back up when they're defending. It just happens. So I could see uh, that part of both of their games getting muted a little bit, but it's probably more important for Rashid, even though it's not going to be the same amount of time that you get in folk style. I mean, he's still super dangerous from there, but uh, Sammy Brooks is just like, in my mind, an underhook guy. <laughs> I could mm-hmm. snap and enter the underhook and uh, hit and throw bys and all that other assorted underhook game <laughs> tools uh but yeah it's weird like you think of someone as an underhook guy and they're like oh they're good upper body not necessarily <laughs> because when they actually lock up i've seen brooks get thrown a few times i think crutchmer like tossed him really bad once um yeah so it's not not his best position and rashid i think of him as sort of dynamic but he doesn't he doesn't throw people does he not really no no so how, how does this play out in your mind uh, I guess part of it is how the the fence plays into it, where Brooks will definitely get in there, at least some. And I'm not sure how good he is at actually scoring from there. You know, because I, I think most wrestlers don't have – don't do a lot of training with someone who's against the fence. Right. You know, how how do you actually take them down if they can just lean back into it? Um, and so I, I think Brooks definitely can get him there. And the question is how effectively does he like, use it? Uh, but uh, I, I watched, um, Rashid's match from the big 10 tournament against Jacob Warner. Mm-hmm. Where so, uh, in the, I forget what round it was, but on the front side of the bracket, Rashid beat him. Uh, and then in the third place match, it like the clear the coaches had clearly said just just be aggressive just underhook him, so Warner came out moving forward underhooking him and Rashid did not did not handle it very well, mm. and so I think he's probably not going to do that well with it here. Uh, and then uh, Brooks could struggle with kind of lateral motion and guys who can change angles and change direction. Uh, but he he does I think much better against that, uh, where he he's still okay in those kind of matches. Mm. Uh, whereas Rashid is really uh, uncomfortable and ineffective when he's getting pushed back too much. Sure. So, barring any big improvements from Rashid, I think I'm going to go ahead and pick Brooks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am too. Cool. Well. I hope Rashid wins, though. I think he has a lot of potential, and I'd like to see him, you know, be a guy. Also, his uh, Instagram account is really fun. He's very uh, fashionable, and he hangs out with uh, Anthony Cassar a lot, and they're they're a funny, funny pair. And just, you know, I care about these things. Cool. So let's move on. Next one, we got Colin Moore versus Daron Wynn. And for you MMA people who are just listening to this, it's like three of you, I bet. Yes, this is this is actually pretty pretty evenly matched, I would say. Is this at ninety seven kilograms? Uh yeah. Ninety seven. Not that far fetched for win, honestly. He competed at that weight plenty. Uh, but yeah, Colin Moore, uh one of the best guys in college for several years. I just had really, really tough guys in his weight, like Bo Nickel. But definitely one of the best guys. He had he, you know, he isn't elite in any one area, which is probably what stopped him from beating those kinds of guys. 
Uh, but he can definitely be a player. I mean, he's big, uh, very physical. You said in your notes, like very diverse, like attacks, uh, like very high percentage getting to the legs. Um, kind of the, the Ohio State system all rolled into one. Like they all kind of do the same things. Uh, he does all of them. <laughs> he makes him pretty versatile, especially at an upper weight. Um, yeah, I just think of him like as a big physical guy who shoots a lot and, and has some nice finishing mechanics and, and can get a lot done. And credentials uh, outside of folk style is a junior world bronze medal from 2017. And he's actually a uh, U23 world silver medalist, sorry, uh, for 2018. And he lost to the Georgian. But that was a pretty tough field that he was in. So I respect, I respect that. And he is wrestling Duran Wynn, who, despite not having any, like, name credentials, you know what I mean? I can say, oh, Division One, this, or World, that. Um, arguably, he's more credentialed in freestyle. I think that's uh, fair to argue, especially because he's been around so much longer. Uh, but he has a ton, a ton of medals at, at big domestic competition. He's made at least one national team, probably more than that, uh, in the U.S., meaning top three, uh, competing at, you know, 86, 97, 92, uh, most recently at 97 and 2018, he uh, a second in the Farrell, and I believe he made national team. Did he lose to Hayden Zilmer? Yeah, so he, he lost in um, the, like, the challenge tournament final series. So he, he basically got third mm-hmm. in the country. Yeah, like true third. Uh, or not true third. <laughs> Fake third. <laughs> but, yeah, he's always been, like, one of the top three, four, five guys as weight. Um, in the country, no, no big signature tournament wins as far as the freestyle scene or, or you know college scene because he didn't wrestle Division One, but always one of the best guys and and pretty dynamic attacker attacker. So what's your your read on Win's game as a wrestler? Because I think people will be interested to hear this as as opposed to what they see in MMA. Yeah, he um, he's probably going to wrestle at a very low pace or he didn't take that many. He sort of stopped wrestling to do MMA. And then like the spring of 2018, he did like a four month push or so in wrestling. Uh, where He had a, a, a little comeback. Uh, and, and that was where he came sort of close to getting to wrestle for a world team spot. Uh, and he didn't take a lot of shots, but he, he holds position pretty well. He's uh, obviously really, really uh, short for his weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's it's hard for him to k- kind of hand fight into shots. Uh, but he has a, a good duck under uh, into a double leg. Uh, he, he finishes his shots pretty well when he does go. Um, and it, it's partly because he only – commits when it's all the way there when he's completely mm-hmm. got the guy beat um but he, he has some pretty clean attacks he's pretty good upper body um and i don't know how aggressive he'll be in trying to force those positions but he's definitely better than colin moore there uh and then he's he's pretty good from the front headlock uh he's, he's got very quick uh go behinds not not too much in terms of exposure, but just circles behind people pretty quickly. Uh, so if, if Moore takes a couple bad shots, he could punish him for it. Uh, I think not, nothing unusual from Parterre, either good or bad. Mm-hmm. We forgot to mention he has a win over two-time world champion Jaden Cox. It's probably worth mentioning. That's <laughs> pretty significant. Beat him – 10 to 2. Yeah. Yeah. In college, it would be a major. Um, how long ago was that? Like when Cox first started doing freestyle seniors? Uh, it, was, it was 2014. So it was yeah. after his freshman season when he won his first college championship. Gotcha. He was still very, very good at that point. But, you know, yeah. it's just – it's different than beating him last year. But still, awesome name to have in your resume. Do you think that when being in that – with regard to the rules that are in place, do you think Wynn being an MMA fighter who knows how to wrestle in the cage and is at AKA, which is like the cage wrestling gym, is going to help him here? Or do you think they won't allow enough to happen on the cage where it'll actually come I think it does help. Yeah, I, I think it does help. Um, it, I, I think his 
his normal wrestling style is not built for getting people to the cage. Mm-hmm. Um, I think defensively, he'll know how to use the cage much better than Moore will. Um, and he, he could be hard to take down. Um, and I do think there's going to be at least some advantage to to that experience. I mean, I, do do the other teams even have like access to, I mean, some places have padded walls that they could maybe train on, mm-hmm. but I would guess they're not doing a whole lot of training specifically right. for this event. Gatson and so is. I could see, <laughs> yeah, Gatson, he's, uh, is he going to do MMA? He said so. He's asking okay. us questions about it, so I hope so. <laughs> but I, I feel like Colin Moore is not going to be Probably not. <laughs> uh, versed in what you do and don't do against the case. So that could matter. Mm-hmm. It, that that's honestly what makes it like a a competitive and like interesting matchup. I think we're yeah in a, in a normal match. I just pick more with no hesitation. What do you think of uh, Moore's like footwork defensively? Like if if he's getting a straight shot on him, is he good at you know cutting away from from the boundary and holding center? Is that not really like a focus? Up? I mean, it wouldn't be. Doesn't make sense for it to be a focus outside of freestyle, but. Just from whatever freestyle you've watched of him, is he? How does he control center? Uh, he's all right. He's not great. He he doesn't really push in much. Um, but he he doesn't get pushed around too much either. Mm-hmm. Big guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean he uh, against Hayden Zilmer, who was more of a Greco guy. He definitely was losing that battle, but not sure. not badly. Like he wasn't just getting pushed all over the place. Uh, so I think he's decent in terms of staying away from the edge. And getting controlled by Zilmer doesn't mean you're going to get controlled by Deron Wynn. So right. entirely different matchup. This is tough. Tough to call. Hmm. I'm I'm going to go and, and do my hedge that I did before where I think the cage is going to matter a lot. There's going to be some weirdness with the officiating that makes it matter more than it should. Uh, and I'm going to say Deron Wynn does does some stuff you know uses uses the cage somehow i I think they're gonna game plan this one up and it would be a huge feather in his cap so i think he's taking it seriously maybe (laughs) uh i don't know i as i'm feeling it i'm feeling it i'm gonna pick him yeah this this is a tough one uh i'm i'm gonna take more makes sense um (laughs) I, i guess it's just it's one of those things where I don't want to count on the case just completely changing the match. Mm-hmm. And if, if it's a normal match, I'm definitely picking more. But it, it's definitely one where weird things can happen, where it, it's just a, a weird-looking match and win just kind of controls them easily. Right. Totally possible either way. It's probably more likely that uh, more is just better. And that wrestles and it's pretty normal, but I don't know. I'm just gonna I'm gonna hedge. I'm gonna go for it. Cool. I, I'm actually mm-hmm. kind of interested to see that one because it's just a, a weird matchup, and mm-hmm. there's what that's the only guy on the card that like definitely knows how to use the cage. So uh, I'd like to see it. Okay. Co-main event. Pretty pretty cool matchup, I'd say. Uh, we got Mark Hall, NCAA champion for Penn State, uh, Cadet World Champion two-time junior world champion, uh, Pan-American world champion at 79 kilograms, which is kind of not a very impressive accomplishment. Next to the rest of them, it's not. Um, And he did also have another junior world championship uh, appearance. So super credentialed, super highly regarded. Uh, One of the most, I would say, dangerous wrestlers and, and hardest to deal with in the world near this weight. Super hard to score on, uh, Loves his, you know, cement mixer and duck unders and all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, great scrambler. You know, a compelling character for, for good reason. And he's also uh, pretty fan-friendly, I would say, where he does the celebrations. He's active on social media. And he's a Penn State guy. Um, plus, he there's a lot of lore about him from high school where he had started wrestling in high school state championships in seventh grade, I believe, in Minnesota, which is whatever the rules are there, or he had state championships from another state. And then he came to Minnesota and won a bunch more. I forget. It's not that important. It's high school, but super highly regarded guy. He's taking on Tommy Gant, who I think was an all American for NC state at least once. 
at 157. And uh, I've always enjoyed him. Uh, definitely lanky wrestling stylist. Uh, you know, good leg attacks, good double. Uh, you know, fun, fun like wrist fighter. Uh, just like a, a classic long range guy. And he has been improving for sure since he graduated. And uh, he's been on a lot of these pro cards. I think he had a match with, was it Richie Lewis? That he wrestled at a American Wrestling League. Was that what they call it? I forget. Is it Richie Lewis? I, I don't remember. I, I didn't actually watch. Uh, I think he beat him. It was, he, well, it was like 2018 when that happened. Yeah. 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 I, I don't remember. I think he like gassed him and beat him. And it was like a cool performance. So he's taking this stuff seriously. He's getting better. And uh, more proof of that, he has been traveling and competing internationally and domestically. Uh, 2018, he won the Bill Farrell uh, Memorial International Tournament, which is a solid feather in your cap, I would say. Typically, decent guys show up there. He placed over uh, Dan Valamont, who's been around the weight in 74 kilograms for a long time. Uh, he placed above Franklin Gomez and Nestor Taffer, and those are all uh, pretty seasoned guys in freestyle. So that, that's a big, a big win, a uh, tournament win. He also won the, the tournament in France, not over anyone specifically, great but there were a couple uh dangerous names in the mix there uh traveled to sarah Pilato. uh he did lose to uh gandry garzon in the finals from cuba but that guy beat kirban aliyev very recently so that's not a bad loss at all and uh he went to world cup we sent like our c squad to world cup because it was in russia and we didn't want to be tampered with um, and he went to Sarah Pilato again. So he's been traveling. He's been competing. He's getting exposure to the best guys in the world, relatively. Um, so he's definitely in the mix right now. Mark Hall just made a pretty big move by uh, signing signing with, moving to, getting hired by, however you want to say it, the Penn RTC in Philadelphia, uh, coached by Brandon Slay. And near his weight, you have David McFadden, who's a super, super tough guy from Virginia Tech, and, of course, Jordan Burroughs is now at the Penn RTC, and so is Dan Valamont, so that's fun. <laughs> but, yeah, it's going to be uh, an interesting situation with those two training together, those three, I should say. Um, but yeah, I expect Mark Hall to make some big improvements and win big freestyle matches. He's a 79-kilogram guy at this point. Uh, he was always kind of big for, for his weight. Uh, he didn't have, like, big muscles, but he just his frame, like him as a person. He always looked big. Also, his head is gigantic, which I think adds a lot, a lot to the weight. Uh, so he's a 79-kilogram guy. Gant's definitely a 74. He moved up from 157 pounds um, after college. So I'm going to give the size advantage to Mark Hall, but I think the matchup is super interesting, and uh, I will let you talk talk your thoughts. Talk about your thoughts. Talk your way through it. <laughs> I can't talk. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I always thought of Hall as kind of on the small side. Uh, for, uh, for, for yeah, for for uh, 174 pounds mm, yeah. in college, and for 79 kilograms. Uh, that's partly because he was always wrestling as a heat Valencia, who's got super long arms. Yeah, who <laughs> was just enormous. Uh, but now Gant is uh, is definitely a lot skinnier, but he's really tall. He's he's. Uh, he used to be at 70, and he was huge, but even for 74, he's pretty tall. Um, and uh, It's, it's kind of interesting because they both uh, – I, I guess I would say Hall is the more aggressive one in terms of the hand fighting and pushing forward, uh, but it's not really kind of either of them their main thing. Uh, so it's, I think the cage won't be too huge of an issue. Uh, and then – Gant, uh, Gant's good at getting to a leg from really far away and then pulling it in. But Hall, I think, is very good defending shots when when he stops it completely or if he if they get to his leg, especially in freestyle, he's really good. Um, and I feel like Hall's going to win those positions. When it's Hall's shot, he's going to score. When it's Gant's shot, Hall's going to score. Mm-hmm. It's like a deceptively – it's deceptive how wide the matchup kind of seems once you start to look at the actual way that their skills and styles come together because, you know, Gant is actually pretty tough and a lot tougher than he was in college, and he was already pretty mm-hmm. good in college. 
It's just that it doesn't really work out well for him the way that their um, their styles match up, and as well as Hall, I think is probably gonna gonna jump levels pretty soon. It, it just seems like that's coming. Um, not that he is bad or <laughs> like desperately needs to jump levels. I just think he's a guy that he's been basically the same for a few years, and that's worked really well against some guys, but against like the best of the best in the country, uh, especially guys who are kind of bigger or ha- aren't as daunted physically, it's going to take a little bit more. But now that he's with uh, Pan RTC, I think things are going to change a little bit. But yeah, I, it's without Gant having like reliable ways to finish on Hall without having to do the whole scrambling game with him. Um, it doesn't seem like a winnable match, but I don't know, maybe it'll be closer because of weird cage reasons. But I don't even want to speculate. I'm definitely picking Hall. Yeah, I'm a, I'm gonna pick Hall as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's definitely. I I, I don't want to undersell Gant. Of course not. Um, I mean, it, there's definitely things he can do to make it difficult. It's just hard for me to see him actually winning the match. Where it it just seems like Hall is, in terms of firepower, in terms of scrambling, in terms of just putting up points, uh, Hall's probably just kind of a, a step ahead of him in every kind of mm. facet. Yeah. He's also, uh, I don't know, I think there's a mental aspect to it with him where he does kind of have varying performances. And I'm not going to say that the Kemmerer loss in, in Carver-Hawkeye was entirely him getting Carvered. Like, there's definitely things about the matchup that were difficult for him that, that led to that. Mm-hmm. But a little bit, he got carved. <laughs> it, didn't, it did not play a factor. So I think he's a guy who likes to, to show up for the big show and, like, tries harder sometimes than he does mm-hmm. other times. Like, his version of wrestling a smarter match versus his version of I don't really care versus his version of, like, I know this is tough, but I don't it's not that big of a deal. So it's like, I think there's different versions of him that you see and it kind of does reflect the situation that he's in, uh, whether or not he's just going to like try to mixer a guy right away versus uh, yeah, maybe. if he thinks it's a difficult matchup. Yeah. It, it's actually interesting that now, now that I think about it, there are some similarities probably with Gant and Kemmerer mm-hmm. with, um, with the length, maybe making it difficult for Hall to finish. Yeah. And with um, the guy kind of being quick to the leg where Kemmerer uh, would take that outside step shot. And it, it seemed like it was really catching Hall by surprise. He scored on it, I think, two separate times in that match. Uh, and it, it seemed like Hall was just kind of thrown off by the timing. And Gant does a sort of a similar thing where he gets to the leg. He sort of just drops in on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I think Gant's not quite as quick. And I think he's probably made some adjustments and figured some things out with that. Yeah. So hopefully it's it's close and competitive. And I'm definitely – any more data on any of these guys is going to be fun. And just they're, they're interesting matchups. And I'm looking forward to watching wrestling again. So I'm, I'm ready to move on to the main event. And we talked about it a little bit already. So it's Kyvin Gadsden moving up to heavyweight to take on two-time world bronze medalist Nick Lestowski. Uh Kind of already covered their credentials. So let's not do that. Although I did see that uh, Gadsden has been traveling and competing in freestyle more than I gave him credit for uh, since 2016. Been in a bunch of tournaments, uh, racked up a decent amount of medals at the uh, like a, a lower tier freestyle tournament. I'd say like the Sarah Pilatos and uh, the tournament in France and like international Ukrainian tournament and stuff like that. Um, but those those are the guys you have to beat on the regular. So he's he's definitely demonstrated that. But uh, just in terms of credentials, Gwizdowski's definitely a level above, and he's also a weight above. Uh, looking through your notes, and also thinking about what I know <laughs> as well, uh, it's definitely a tough matchup for Gadsden, and it might be one of those weird things where the heavier guy is actually the one who's going to be more active. Does that feel true to you? Yeah, he, he it does seem like he shoots more. Um Oh, it's it's just a tough one where, like, it, it feels like Gadsden is usually, like, the, the bigger guy who wants mm-hmm. to, like, slow things down. And Gwiz is usually, like, the small guy taking down the, like, 
bigger but slower uh, heavyweight. And so I, I just don't know how it plays when it, the, the roles are reversed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm trying to think of like the ways that, that Gwiz has lost recently. I mean, there's the classic with uh, with uh, Zhao Weidang of China at Worlds where it's close with short time left. I think Gwiz was winning and he shoots head inside directly underneath him and gets uh, mm-hmm. yeah, chest wrapped for, for an exposure and loses based on that. And he's had a couple of moments that are pretty similar to that where he's put himself in a kind of a bad situation mm-hmm. for a short time and guys with there games was, uh, based around the, that capitalized. The, uh, the match we watched or he did the commentary with the, oh, uh, versus the match against Azerbaijan. Yeah, he he tried to like pull the guy up into a chest wrap uh, and got taken down off it with like ten seconds left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so some some tactical decisions mm-hmm. that haven't been great. Um, then there's there's matches like uh, Amir uh, Zare. I'm gonna say is how it's pronounced from Iran, U23 world champion. Is he? He's something. He's good. He lost to Mason Paris at uh, Junior Worlds, um, but. He tech falled Wisdowski entirely on pushouts. Ten pushouts, ten points, and then that was. When, uh, which match was this? This was at Alon's. Hmm. Versus Zare, yeah, and then Zare lost to uh, Batras Gazayev. Got got a uh, thrown from underneath and in, in front headlock. So, the way that that Gwiz loses matches at, at the highest level, I don't really see uh gadson having those same threats i mean specifically with like can he counter his shots probably not at a high percentage although if you think about like the way he threw snyder in your notes you said that his upper body offense is kind of situational he doesn't like work to it and get it uh but like off defense he's pretty quick about getting an over under and stepping over and doing his weird polish throw i saw him drilling it actually on uh on twitter or instagram he posted a video of him training in the cage, drilling it off a single leg uh, defense. So, I mean, those opportunities will arise because Wiz shoots singles. <laughs> but, yeah, I think just with the weight difference, it's not going to be ideal to try to throw him. Uh, and he's not really like a parterre counter guy as far as I know. I haven't watched a lot of his recent freestyle matches, but it uh, seems like he kind of likes to control pace on the feet. You know, mix up his speeds and, and explode into a few attacks every once in a while. Um, and he always has his stuff in his back pocket uh, for, for a little bit deeper game. But it, it seems like he's going to be actually looking to slow things down and you know fire off a couple of key leg attacks to try to finish quick and make it difficult and control risks. Whereas Gwiz is going to be the one like looking to, to score points. And I think when there's a bigger guy trying to push a pace on you, um, as long as he's staying relatively tight with his finishes, which I think he's more than capable of doing for the most part. Uh, it's probably not a great look. Yeah, that, that, uh, that all makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. It's, it's definitely a, a weird one. Um, and I also think the cage, if nothing else, just complicates things and just makes it a little bit weird and different. Mm-hmm. And that probably makes it closer to a fifty-fifty, where it whoever you'd favor in uh, a, a sort of normal match, I think you have to lower the margin and lower the the odds a little bit. Um, but it it doesn't seem like Gadsden's really going to be able to impose any sort of upper body game on uh, on Gwiz. I mean. Wiz has wrestled Adam Kuhn and Don Bradley and a lot of really big guys have tried to push him back. Mm-hmm. And he's mostly been able to avoid that. The only thing is it, it might be the case that all it takes is one where if right. Wiz gets him against the fence once and he's able to get a lock and throw him for four. And then if he avoids it the rest of the match, it's still a four-point move it has a huge impact on the match. Mm-hmm. And just to, to speculate about like mental states and stuff like that, Gadsden appears to be interested in starting an MMA career. Um, and he took this match in the cage, which is not in itself that telling. But then on Twitter, he uh, started asking questions about 
uh, you know, like what gym should I train at and uh, uh, questions along those lines. And he seems serious about, about fighting eventually. So I don't know if he fully wants to transition to fighting and if he's going to make it go at another team. Uh, but it seems like that's probably a good idea just because Jaden Cox moved up to 97 and Snyder is still at 97. He's improving with Penn State and it's not getting easier <laughs> to make the team at the weight. And I don't think he really wants to move up and he definitely can't move down. So it might be one of those situations where like, yeah, he could, you know, just be an RTC roster member and make money and be a coach and wrestle professionally. Um, I think he's the kind of guy who, where he wants to be the guy and he's sick of not being the guy and MMA is a chance for him to do that. So it definitely makes sense to me that he wants to kind of start anew. With that being said, he doesn't really have a lot to lose here. <laughs> like he doesn't, he's not going to lose his standing in his weight class. Uh, mm-hmm. So you might see him open up a little bit more, um, which could be good or could be bad, but not really making any predictions based on that. Just, you know, speculating as to reasons why the match might be more or less interesting than we, we anticipate. And with Gwiz, I feel like he needs to make a statement that he is the guy and he's not going to get pushed by a 97 moving up and he is gearing up for an Olympic title run, which is, I assume that is his, his, his goal right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Not, not much to, uh, can't disagree with any of that. Pretty obvious stuff. But yeah, I, I think it's going to be an interesting card. It's on Sunday, uh, the 30th, August 30th at 6 Eastern, 6 Central. I, one think of those it's times. Nine, I think it's 6 Pacific and 9 Eastern. Oh, 9 Eastern. Okay, so it's like normal normal fight event time. Yeah, I forget. They're doing, a, they're doing a, a submission one, and I think the wrestling is after. Gotcha. But it might, it might, one of them's at 6 Eastern, the other's at 9 Eastern. And I think wrestling's at 9. Well, it's on Fight Pass, so if you watch the UFC or any of its affiliated events, then you'll probably have access to it. If not, uh, I'm sure it'll show up somewhere, and there will be clips on Twitter. I think Submission Underground usually posts some some highlights. So I think just based on it being centered around Chael Sonnen and being branching off of Submission Underground, should be some different fans watching, or maybe more casual wrestling fans who have traded their fandom for MMA and, you know, other, other combat sports and have kind of drifted away from following wrestling because it's hard. It's very hard to follow wrestling. Uh, so I can see why you might get sucked into a different sport. It's a little easier to keep up with and trendier. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe this will do, do good things for, for wrestlers, but either way they're getting paid, they're competing. Um, it's a good thing. And I hope they are being safe and taking precautions with regard to COVID. I believe he, Chael Sonnen, held a submission underground like really early on uh, into the quarantine. They held it in like a grain silo. There was no one there. And uh, that's an idea. <laughs> so we'll see what the, what the procedure ends up being for this. And I think we're going to do a post-show. Uh, Richard inquired about that. So I don't know if you're down, but... If not, I'll still I'll do it. We'll have a post show. Mm-hmm. Let's see our plans for this for Sunday night. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before we go, I want to get back to uh, the thing I suggested and then forgot about, which was we uh, we suggest a match for everyone to watch. Oh yeah. Um, so mine is going to be uh, 2019 Senior Nationals, uh, Zahid, or Anthony Valencia. Uh, against Tommy Gant. It was, uh, it was I think, the fifth-place match. So it was the go-to match where the winner uh, qualifies for the Olympic trials uh, and the loser is out, does not qualify. It was a, a really high-scoring match. It involved people getting thrown through tables. The score was like 12-11. Uh, and it was one of the most exciting things of the year. Awesome. I'm going to recommend a match from someone on the card as well. I assume that is that is the point. Um, it's one of Mark Hall's uh, junior world title victories. He, it was it was very quick. It was, I think, a pin in, a, I believe, under a minute. I think this is 2017. Issa Shapiev. Yeah, and uh, Seth, our, our freestyle guy, is very high on, on the Shapiev's from, from Uzbekistan. And Mark Hall pinned this guy in under a minute, and he 
just from the get-go, just started hitting these short ducks off of uh, off stuff posts. Just kept ducking him, kept ducking him, kept ducking him, like really short uh, close-quarter ducks until he caught the uh, basically caught the chin and was able to uh, hit his mixer and, and put him on his back and pinned him super quickly. And the camera screwed up and didn't really get a good angle of it, so you're gonna have to watch it like a million times to see what happened. But it's Mark Hall pinning a guy for a world title really quickly, so. If you want to appreciate him without watching him like do nothing for a long time before he does a big move, this is one where he does the big move right away. And I was going to write about it, but the camera angle is so bad I can't make gifs of it, so I'm not going to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll be writing about Mark Hall this week instead of doing a, a normal preview article, just because I, I didn't know what the whole deal was going to be with this event they didn't have the full rules out until uh just the other day so it's right. going to be talking about mark hall's career uh a little preview on his his match with gant uh and just what i like about him and what i want to see from him going forward awesome and with that will be on the fight site and you can all check that out and this you're probably listening to this preview on youtube but if you're not you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or what have you, check out the YouTube channel, and that's where the post show will also be and lots of other stuff. And I can't promise a timeline on this, but within the next couple months, there's going to be a lot more video breakdowns. So if you like video breakdowns, they are coming, and hopefully we'll try to get some more wrestling breakdowns. And uh, Ryan should continue his uh, Barrero series because that was really good. Um, so if you're the one Greco fan listening to this, uh, that's optimistic. If you're someone that might become a Greco fan <laughs> at some point, uh, that, that's a really good one to get into because Barrero is uh, very fun, especially for Greco. Okay, so we're going to sign off and we're going to watch that card on Sunday, talk about it, and then uh, you'll hear us talking about it more on Monday or Tuesday. So peace out and uh, catch you catch later.